All right, we're live. What's up, guys? John Sintes here, Cutter Nation podcast number 79. Uh, please help us out. If the podcast has been growing, um, rate, review, subscribe, um, share it out on your social media. We tweet it out. Uh, we've been putting out highlights for the podcast. We're really enjoying it. And today's guest is one of our longtime friends, Mr. Taylor Ahern. What's up, buddy? What's up, boys? How we doing? Good, man. Um, so I wanted to get you in here. Uh, we haven't talked like this in a long time, and I know we get into some stuff. And I wanted to um, talk to you about last season. Um, you won the championship with the River City Rascals. And I feel like you had like a really good year. And for when we met um, to when Cass joined and, and how the whole journey went, in your uh, career, um, you know, you made some massive strides and changes in a lot of things. And I just wanted to talk about it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, I'd say that last season was definitely by far my best uh, season professionally. Um, maybe even uh, like ever since, you know, even throughout my college days, uh, I think that um, this past season was probably like, the most fun and and the uh, the most confident I've uh, I've been in a while, um, and I attribute a lot to uh, a lot of it to you guys. Um, just like helped me be more confident in my pitch selections and uh, and just just my stuff in general and just like throwing throwing every, every, everything and whatever count you know that's something that a lot of people don't really do. Um, they're kind of told not to. Like if you fall behind in the count, they'll tell you, you know throw a fastball in there get get back in the count or whatever but uh you know i was able to you know trust my stuff and and myself um on the mound a lot more and um and, it, and i think it showed in, in the stats and uh you know we kind of just helped the uh help the team win as best as i could and um we ended up uh having a good year finishing on top so it was, it was fun you were the number two three five um i was one of the starting pitchers i was one of the starting pitchers um what do you feel like you were i mean i don't know <laughs> uh, what i'm what i was gonna ask is you weren't the ace what what no you, i was not I was, I'm, I'm just curious have you been the ace what do you think it would have been like to be the ace on that staff um <laughs> well we had a really good uh Really good pitcher. I think he won pitcher of the year. Um, his name is Brandon Feldman. He did really well. Um, but um, you know, if I was the ace on the team, like it, 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 I mean, it's a, it's a it was a great team to be a part of the chemistry and everything. And uh, like, do you do well in the ace role? Is I guess what I'm asking. Um, yeah, I would say so. I'd say I could. Um, but I was just kind of you know, when it was my turn to pitch. Uh, I just focused on the job and the task at hand, like not caring about anything else, just trying to help the team win. So it's really yeah. all I, all that mattered to me at that moment. You know, I just, I mean, I obviously know you really well. It, that was something that I was, it took me, I, I've always done really well uh, being, uh, I think all three of us, right? A little bit of a chip on our shoulder, like people don't believe in us kind of thing. And oh, of and it's it's kind of fun to be on a, a team where you can can be yourself and then, you know, not, you know, there's always pressure, but not the same kind when, when you're supposed to be the guy, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, 
yeah, we were all just kind of, we were just a bunch of goofballs, you know, uh, we weren't really thinking of, you know, who was the better player on the team or who was the better pitcher on the team. We were just going out there and having fun. We did, we'd be like, you know, it's independent ball. And we were just kind of before games, we were throwing the football around, you know, having some fun running routes for our conditioning. Uh, it was just a good time and um, it was kind of carefree. So uh, I think that's what helped us, you know, kind of, come out on top even more is we, I mean, we just didn't have a care in the world. We just want to be kids out there and, uh, you know, kind of just helped us go all the way to the end. So. Is that something that you did well at San Marcos? Um, I think so. Uh, Cal State San Marcos, you know, we struggled a little bit, but I mean, we still, we still had a great time out there. Uh, we tried to not let it affect us too much and uh, kind of just went about our daily business, um, trying to win every ball game. Uh, even though we obviously I mean, we can't win every ball game, and uh, but we, no matter how how much we struggled or how much uh, we were having success, we just kind of went out there and tried to do our jobs as best we could. So, dude, the you're such point, a sport. You're such a sport. The main sometimes <laughs> the main point is just you know you just gotta try and have fun every time, whether you're losing or winning. You just gotta keep it. You just gotta kind of keep it fifty fifty. Well, I think what's so interesting is um, you know. I say that I know you, but I don't know you. And there's that, I know you as a baseball guy and and that stuff. But so just like when, when Taylor came back from the season, you know, he talks about it being such a impactful season. Like, dude, he walked in the room a little bit differently after that season. Right. And then you you came back, you pulled down one Oh two. Yeah. One Oh one. Yeah. One Oh one. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I came back, like, despite playing, you know, I think we had, like, a 90-something game season. I think I was part of about 75 games of those, or 75 of those games, because, you know, I had that little injury uh, prior to leaving. But uh, um, I think of, like, of the time I was there, um, despite, I think I, I pitched a lot. So when I came back, I felt surprisingly, like, very athletic and, like, in shape. and um, you know, I think I attribute I attribute that to uh, staying on top of my routine during the season. You know, every day between starts, just kind of staying on routine, doing some mobility movement stuff. Um, and I came back like feeling pretty good, and I was like, "Hey, let's pull down today." And <laughs> and uh, you know, yeah, it's when uh, I finally broke the hundred mark. Obviously, people are throwing like one hundred and ten everywhere, but you know, for me, that was a big that was a big. Uh, achievement for me so it's massive it was it was progress can we talk about the um the shoulder issue i i you know i actually till you uh mentioned it right there i kind of forgot about it but i remember that was a thing and i feel like there's some light into that because we've learned a lot about you personally and your shoulders and and the your hips and like you like you said um as this uh, situation started that you have to stay on some things. So let's, let's go over kind of like what you were feeling. You and I, I remember what you and I were talking about. Um, with yeah. the, Did you happen so, to yeah. see Wiener just jump up? Oh, <laughs> Wayne's yeah, fan. The first time came up just so, you know, like when whales just come on midair, just like yeah. hovered onto the house. Hilarious. The oh man. Um, yeah, so when I first met you, John, it was actually my uh, – I had, like, a tricep tendonitis. It wasn't even my shoulder at that time. 
um it was kind of like a pain in the back of my elbow and uh yeah we were just we were just i just saw you one day at, at 24 hour fitness not never meeting meeting you or anything before and uh, i was like hey this guy's a baseball guy let's talk to him um and then we just started talking about like the injury that i had going on with my arm and uh we tried to i mean you invited me over to the to the facility and um we kind of like and tried to pinpoint where, you know, that pain could be originating from. And uh, I think for the most part, we were pretty right uh, with like the whole, um, the nerves going through the Terry's minor and, you know, all that kind of stuff kind of rubbing the, pronate, the pronation was big too. Yeah. Right? yeah. I remember, I remember you were, you were, you didn't have a, uh, I wonder knowing now what we know about spin efficiency. I wonder what your spin efficiency was on that ball. I don't you know, know, but that ball is probably moving sideways. I was like, yeah. <laughs> that ball is probably spinning, spinning sideways a lot. Yeah, you were throwing. Hey, I have a um, question. <laughs> I, John, if you throw a fastball like the three to nine, you can still have 100% spin efficiency, right? Correct. Yeah. So yeah. you can throw a slide slider, a sidearm or a side spin slider with 100% spin efficiency. Yes. And then a bullet spin. Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah, the I bullet, think, the one that yeah. gets weird. It's zero. Yeah, I, was yeah. Just, yeah. I was just throwing in my backyard one day, and then uh, I just was like, "Hey, let's throw let's throw a couple sliders." And like on the third slider, like I felt like a sharp pain in the back of my elbow. I was like, "Ow!" Um, then I I was worried. I didn't know what was going on. Like I thought it was just gonna go away um, after a few days, and just never did. And so I finally went to the doctor, and they were saying, "You know, try some tendonitis and do these exercises. Um, see if it." see if it uh, helps out they didn't really help out <laughs> and so uh was it just, just a general kind of, practitioner um yeah yeah pretty much and then i just went uh started just you know massaging it out with lacrosse balls and like whatever and kind of just hitting different spots that aren't the elbow trying to see if something was tight that was causing that tension or whatever and found some tightness everywhere and uh as i mean i think a lot of it had to do with just you know just keep throwing i think i just kind of like threw out of it um, along with the uh, massage work that I was doing on my own. So, uh, yeah, once I went to the season, that pain was, was, was pretty much gone. And then I developed some shoulder stuff. Um, it was the same thing, you know, find, find the areas that are, you know, a little bit tight, see if it's originating that pain. And then soon enough, that shoulder pain went away as well. So I mean, now fingers crossed, like I'm feeling pretty good right now. So <laughs> let's keep it that way. But uh, yeah, the, the shoulder stuff, um, I wanted to touch on that. I, I know that we started doing a lot more, you know, opening and closing with the uh, the bands, you know, trying to work on the mobility and the range of motion of it and what you can do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, is that what, can you talk about like where, when did you start thinking that that was like way more of a um, focus for you? Uh, in terms of the shoulder pain? No, just like the, remember we started doing some more stretches and stuff like that. What? Uh, oh, yes, I, yes. Tell us about the process um, about um, with the, some of the shoulder exercises that we were doing. Yeah, before. so I was, I was, I was just trying to make sure that I took my warm up and my uh, kind of like post-throwing recovery a lot more seriously. Um, and uh, one day, you know, we were at the gym and, and Cass was talking about a whole thing called uh, loosen, lengthen, and strengthen. And so I kind of just went into that idea um in terms of like what i like to do in, in a warm-up and uh and what i like to do after throwing um you know loosen just uh massage it out a little bit um 
before throwing and then after throwing, you know, everything is a little bit more intense because it's more of recovery and you just kind of want to activate everything up again. Um, but uh, after the, the loosening, you know, just uh, stretch a little bit to lengthen and then, and then do some uh, strengthening with the bands. Um, the, like that kind of idea helped me uh, access, you know, better like mentality or like a uh, work ethic when it came to warming up and, and post uh, post recovery. Um, and after I started doing that, you know, the pain just slowly went away, went away. And now I don't do it as heavily. Um, but, uh, I still, um, like, as like once the, when the pain was there, you know, that was something I really took serious. And now that it's gone, um, I just, I just make sure I feel good before I throw uh, whatever that means, like whatever that takes. And then, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think just taking care of, taking care of your business when it comes to, uh, you know, your warm up is very important. I, I think one, one thing I want to say is that, um, it's, it's not important that it's, it's perfect. You know, I think, um, one thing that you should know is that our stuff is constantly evolving and that oh, you're yeah. going to get a completely different version of our warm up in a year or two. And that's not a bad thing. So the, the thing that I think is really stood out to me and you just talking about, um, your season was the fact that you just stuck to your routine. And for every guy that goes and plays summer ball, whether it's in the Northwoods or whether it's indie ball or all the professionals, like it's, it's literally their ability to stick to the routine, you know, and hearing oh, yeah. some of the stories from bands and knowing what I've heard from professionals in the past, like it legitimately is all the way up to the, to the highest level with guys. I mean, you hear it every now and then where a guy just is like, Oh yeah, he's not here for BP yet. Like, Maybe he won't be in the lineup today. And it's yeah. like, but, 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 you know, smaller infractions must happen all of the time. And because the whole MO of affiliate ball is to, to keep that under wraps, you know, that's, that's, everybody knows this stuff. So it's, in, it's, it's interesting. Um, yeah. And it's and not it's, too I, complicated, yeah. right? No, it's, I mean, what's easy, what's, what the best part about it is you do what makes you feel good. Like everyone's different. So, I mean, not one warm up is going to make one guy or everybody feel the same. Like one guy's probably going to take more out of it and the other, and someone else is probably going to need to do a little bit more extra or a little bit less to feel better. You know? So I like, like that just, you brought up the loose and length and strength. And I forget about, yeah. you know, th those are simple ideas that are, can be so powerful. Cause so, you know, just, just to clarify in case it wasn't iterated, it's the idea whether it's pre throwing or post throwing, and this doesn't even have to be doing with throwing, right? It's that, you know, oh, yeah. loosen everything up, massage, foam roll, whatever it is, lacrosse ball, that kind of stuff. Then you stretch out the muscle, then you would strengthen it. So if you were mm -hmm. only going to work on whatever that muscle is, that's a good way to do it. If you were going to do pre, you know, that's a good way to prep the body in general. So just to, to yeah. clarify that, that, that and doesn't, there's no particular order to where you place or placement of that. It's just the, the idea. Yeah. And, and like, like I said before, pre-throwing, you know, you don't do, I, I mean, for me personally, I, I wouldn't do it as much as I would post throwing because I want to make sure I'm fresh and, and feel good. I don't want to tire myself out too much before I throw, but like after I throw, that's the time to get the blood flow going again. So I'll, I'll spend a little bit more time on the, on the strength, the strength side. And it really um, does depend that. on where you're at in your training, where you're at in your year. You know, mm -hmm. um, I think one thing with the younger athletes, the, um, it, it's simply that we, this isn't, they're not going to take it seriously. They're not going to atrophy. Like you're going to atrophy. Like they're just going to like do it to learn the patterns. 
And so mm-hmm. for the younger player, I think like the volume of this is just is is super critical that they just get a bunch of it in and it doesn't really matter, you know, what it is. Where you okay. were already alluding to yours is like, okay, yes, but then as the older player, this is where you have to start. Um, this is your stuff. And we were we got to talk about it. I don't know if you listened to the USD um, podcast, but we, uh, they were bringing up how they're allowing their players to basically dictate their throwing program. Um, and then, you know, we brought it up with, you know, it's, it's come up in other conversations too, about how like, that's kind of the, the younger coaches, that's kind of the new school way of doing it of like, I don't, I have no idea what you feel. I have no, I can't, how could I write your throwing program? That's outrageous. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's, it's, there that's refreshing to hear but there's also going to be a flip side of the coin of like there's gonna be dudes that don't want to do work and you're gonna be you know tempted to you know say you know well i suppose that's what works for you but it's like you know there are there's a level of like um you know you, you have to so um that's so the question is if you have to do one to two things Strip down to nothing. What are you doing to be the best baseball player you possibly can be? If you don't have any resources, what are you doing? Like, One or two things. If I don't have any resources, like what am I going to do to be the best that I can be? Yep. yep. I mean. You don't have plyo balls. You don't have accurate. Or maybe you do. Maybe you have okay. one plyo ball. I don't know. If I, have, I mean, if I have one plyo ball, I'm at least just getting a, a few throws in, you know, what, depending on the weight. Uh, like if I had like a four pound ball, I'm not trying to throw that thing a lot, but, uh, um, if I had a lighter ball, you know, I'm still trying to get a few more throws in probably going to try and do all the exercises still, maybe increase the volume. If it's a lighter weight, um, if it's a heavier weight, maybe decrease the volume. But, um, but at the same time, like, I mean, would you even have a, would you use a weighted ball or would you just have like, I would say baseball and glove is included. Like you don't have to account for that. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you doing? Maybe that's a hard question. I don't know. Like, what's yeah, the most I mean, important thing? What's the most important thing to be the best baseball player you possibly can be? Now, ready, go. I think it's just reps throwing the baseball itself. Uh, that's what you're going to be throwing in the game. So, I mean, you got to get all your reps in with that, pretty much. Like most majority of your reps with that. If you want to throw a couple plow balls beforehand, um, whether it's reverse throws or just whatever, um, go for it. But you know, at the end of the day, you're throwing that ball at the seams. So uh, that's that's. If I had to choose, I mean, obviously, if I had to choose anything, like, yes, I'm going to just choose the baseball because that's that's the priority. Did you play other sports when you were a kid? I did. Yeah, I played. Oh, sweet. Uh, okay, what else? What's your sign? I'm just kidding. What were your sports? <laughs> well, obviously, like every other kid in America, we played, uh, played soccer growing up a little bit. and uh, I did not. I Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I just kidding. Just yeah. kidding. Oh, oh okay. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. In school, point. yes. In yeah. school, yes, but not organized. I wish I did play organized soccer. Yeah, I started. Um, yeah, I played I don't soccer wish a that. lot. Yeah, that was probably like the first, the first sport that I played, and then, uh, you know, I played t-ball, and I was like, oh, this is pretty fun. And then, uh, I was, I was, you, my parents were like, hey, you should try that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, uh. My parents were like, "Hey, you should try out for you should try basketball. You might like that too." And I was like, eh, "I don't like I don't know for some reason basketball like freaked me out when I was younger, and I just didn't want to play." And then uh, same with football. Like I was I just wasn't into it. But as I got as I got older and like kind of seeing these sports on TV, I was like, "Oh, that looks fun to play." So 
I started playing basketball and football towards like my uh, my like middle school years. Um, at my uh, I went to a parochial school, like a little Catholic school, and we had like flag football um, from like fifth to eighth grade, and then uh, played basketball too. So that's probably where majority of my sports were, like at, like in school ball, um, and then baseball was just its own separate thing, whether it was like little league or or uh, pony league, and uh, yeah, and then when I got to high school, it was football my freshman year, basketball my freshman sophomore year, and then uh, baseball four years, and then um, yeah, sometimes I I wish I kept playing uh, other sports in high school just to you know you only have high school once, so and if you if you're good enough to play those sports, might as well just carry it out and and kind of grow your overall athleticism. But like, for me, I just I just wanted to focus straight on baseball. Uh, that's what I, that's what I love the most and what I wanted to play the most. So what position uh, did you play in, uh, in like a different sport or in baseball or basketball, football? Sorry, Cass lost it. Oh. Yeah, he said what, <laughs> I didn't realize you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Haley came home and Leon went a little nuts. Um, he said, what position did you play in, in football? Uh, I was actually quarterback. Uh, quarterback. Yeah. Of you were slinging the rock. It, flag football. Flag football. That was fun. That was so fun playing quarterback. Um, and then, like, when I got to uh, high school, I played quarterback for freshman football. And, uh, you know, as freshman, like, not everybody's, like, the biggest guy. Like, we got a lot of small freshmen on our team. And, um, some of the teams that we played were, like, were, like, really good. And uh, I was getting sacked, like, maybe – Eight, at least eight times a game. And I was just, it was just like, it's just not a good, uh, like I'd pretty much get the snap and then I'd, I'd run for my life uh, immediately because <laughs> our, our line wasn't the biggest or strongest. So, uh, you know, I was kind of running for my life right away. And uh, I was just like, maybe not want to play it again. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so I stopped, <laughs> I stopped playing. And then like my senior year, like our offensive line was probably the best in the, in the, in the uh, county. Um, so good, and a few of them are actually my pretty like my really good buddies nowadays. But uh, you know, like they they got so much better, and uh, I was like, damn, I kind of wish I kept playing quarterback. I feel like I could have been pretty damn good. But I mean, it is what it is. Like I have no I have no regrets whatsoever when it came to that. But I definitely wish I played uh played basketball all four years. That's for sure. Uh, that's probably my second favorite sport for sure. I think the one thing that. Um, I'm learning over the course of this podcast and, and is that especially about my I'm, I'm talking about myself is that uh, I think I really enjoy competition as a recreation mm -hmm. and like what I'm doing and Taylor you and I have talked about playing basketball and all kinds of stuff um, and like doing the game the little mini games we do in the gym um, it, it sounds like the same way with you like just playing um, as, as a general idea seems to be, um, what I'm hearing the theme of a lot of, a, oh, a yeah. lot of these, a lot of these guests that we're having on and, and sports. So it's interesting, you know, to hear yeah. you talk about the same kind of theme of the whole thing. And I'm finding myself being a little bit bored with working out, um, as, you know, selfish as I can be in that statement, but, you know, it, the playing part, it's, it seems, you know, the most fun. So that's where I always yeah. seem to especially during, lean especially into during quarantine. a little bit. Especially, yeah, especially during quarantine, it's, it's kind of tough to, you know, work out when uh, 
when it's just like yourself in the gym, sometimes you sometimes want to like see another person on the other side and be like, Oh, I can lift more than him or, or I can do more. I can do like this better than him or something like that. So, uh, I mean, obviously you still got to get that work in, but, um, yeah, but like when it came to competition, uh, for me, like anything with a ball, like growing up as a kid, like that was like my thing, like sports. Um, I was that kid in school that like couldn't wait for it till recess, um, to yeah. just go out and play. And, uh, I would say a lot of athletes are the same way, of course, but, uh, um, and then like when it, when it was in the classroom as well, like I, I got, I still got really good grades and, and we had these, uh, um, these like handwriting notebooks. I don't know if you ever had those in school, but uh, they help like teach you cursive and like you just do like, you write separate letters out in cursive. And then once you do the letters, you start doing more words and then you start writing sentences. And um, in class, my buddy and I, like whenever there was like a break in class or something, we, we would take out that book and start and start uh, doing the uh, exercises. And we were like, oh, first one to finish. And then uh, finish the handwriting book wins but like there was no prize we just wanted to beat beat each other so like my friend and i every time we every time there was a break in subjects or a break in in class or whatever we'd take it out and start scribbling on that notebook and then like uh by the time we finished our teacher was like all right take out your handwriting books we're gonna do this lesson today and my friend and i look at each other and we're like well we already finished it so uh, <laughs> uh we don't know what to do here and uh i think she just gave us another notebook or something to do or like she made us go over it again who knows but like even when it came to that, you know, the classroom setting, there was still a little bit of competition in, in me for oh, sure. Oh, for sure. I I, I don't yeah. I, I think I was just as competitive in, in high school. I <laughs> yeah. took all the the I got weirdly academically competitive, of course, you know, as I'm not surprised now. And then yeah. like at the end of high school, I was like, what am I doing? I was like, <laughs> I'm I'm working way too hard at this. This is not yeah. you know, like I'm not trying to be a doctor. Like I'm, yeah. trying to be a baseball, I'm trying to be a baseball player, you know, and then I like dialed back. I was like, what, you know, I, I yeah. my mom gets mad at me because I tell her all the time. She was like, what? Cause I was like, I hated high school. I didn't realize that I hated it at the time, but I just, I just thought everybody had so much homework. And like, I just remember seeing some of the other kids being like, they don't have near the amount of homework. I don't understand yeah, why yeah. am I doing <laughs> Why am I doing this? This is unnecessary. Homework. Yeah. We want the least amount of homework because we got practice after school. Oh <laughs> it's going God, to like yes. four, four or five. I know, right? uh, oh, dude, yeah. I, I, mean, I remember. For me, like, I didn't. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I didn't take, I didn't, I only I think I only took like two or three APs during my high school years. And then, uh, uh, like, I was a smart kid, but I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to do so much, you know, busy work. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, uh, my goal was to just play sports as long as I could, as as, uh, as crazy it may seem. But like, yeah, my goal was to play in college and then, you know, hopefully play professionally. So my mind wasn't on like, you know, take these AP courses, even though I'm sure they would they would have helped me out a lot. But uh, uh, but yeah, I don't know what you were gonna say, but uh, <laughs> sorry for uh, taking the reins there. No, it's it's all good. It's all good. It, it um, I I'm just realizing it, you know, as as this you know this pan, you know pandemic situation is allowing for a lot of reflection and stuff and so as we're going through some of these uh podcasts and conversations that we're having with some of these coaches they're bringing up some good points about you know how we affect kids and and um what we're trying to do with our culture and 
I think education with us is a massive thing um, uh, with like life. And I, you know, I pride myself on, um, on that where, uh, you know, I try to give kids as much um, quality information as we can. Um, have you, uh, have you learned anything, you know, in this process that you feel like would be a good message to pass along to the baseball community? Oh man. Uh, definitely a lot. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the whole cliche, you know, trust the process or whatever you want to, you know, um, you can interpret that in whatever way you want, but, um, if you have like a goal in mind, you're not going to reach it in a straight line. Um, sometimes there's going to be ups and downs and, uh, you just gotta keep believing that, you know, you're on the right path and, and that you're not doing anything, you know, wrong in specific, uh, you could maybe clean up a couple things. Um, but I mean, nothing's always too serious if you just, you know, stick to the plan. And, uh, I think that's something that I've really done well is, uh, I mean, let I me, mean, at least a lot better than before. Um, it's just, you know, if I have one bad day, you know, it's not the end of the world. Uh, you're gonna have a lot of bad days, especially in baseball. So, I mean, when it comes to that, you know, you just got to keep kind of trying to stay in a straight line as best you can. But in the end, you know, you're not, it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of downs. So you just kind of just got to keep your head up. You, well, we, you and I have talked a lot about the mental game um, before mm -hmm. any of this, how much of that <clears throat> is. Tell us a little bit about that. Cause you and I have had some pretty interesting conversations and yeah, give, give people some insight from your perspective. Yeah, so, I mean, I've always been kind of like a quote-unquote perfectionist <laughs> growing up. And uh, I was kind of like a little bit hard on myself if I wasn't like doing something that I think um, if I was like doing it the way I wanted it or I assumed it should be done, um, I would get upset with myself. Or if I like went out and had a bad game, you know, I'd... Uh, I'd focus on like as a, when I was a hitter or something, I would focus on the over four instead of the over four with four lineouts. You know, it's like you, you won that day. If, if you, if you have those four lineouts, but you, but you get out, you know, you beat the pitchers or like same with the uh, pitching, you know, you could be dicing hitters up all game and then a bloop single, and then a bloop single and a home run, you know, like those are like the two hits you give up and you lose two zero or two to one, you know? So it's still a phenomenal game, but like you look at the numbers instead of like, like how well you think that you did um, or you kind of look at the the loss instead of like, you know, the numbers uh, showing that you had a good game and that sometimes it just kind of goes vice versa. And, um, I would mainly focus on the, uh, the negative side of, um, of an outing. Even if I had a really good game, um, I would focus on, you know, how many walks did I have, like, like the negative stuff. And, uh, kind of sometimes I would take that into the next outing and um and that's kind of like what hurt me in in my professional career early on but this past season you know I just um kind of went out there and just trusted my stuff like I said earlier and um whether I had a bad game or not you know I'd be like you know what they they got uh they had a good uh they had a good game um I mean I didn't, I struggled a little bit but that doesn't mean that I'm going to struggle next time and uh you know normally I would go out there and kind of come back and uh, whichever way, uh, and kind of just build back to that success. Um, but yeah, sometimes it's still hard to uh, not be upset with myself sometimes or down on myself. But uh, 
so always something to learn and, and improve on. Well, okay. So consider this though. I've never seen you play a game. Like I've never, mm-hmm. I've never been in that situation at all. So I'm coming from it from a, a human standpoint from a, a right. So mm-hmm. how are you getting coached? Right. Like th- think about, you know, what can you say to younger kids from that perspective? Like we've talked a lot about um, your relationship with us and your relationship with other coaches and just like how you manage humans. Right. Yeah. Um, that mental game is what I mean. Okay. So uh, I think from what you and I have talked about, we've talked about, um, I don't know if this even like will relate to your question much, but uh, just being upfront with people, not kind of like beating around the bush. Um, you just want to be like upfront with people and yourself. Um, like if, if you see that, you know, a kid is struggling or, um, whatever, or something you got to address that and be like, Hey, like you're in your head right now. Um, I know it's tough, but you gotta <laughs> go do the, the, uh, the game on the wall, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the star game. Ooh, let's talk you, about that. Yeah. Kind of helps you focus up a little bit and, and kind of calm yourself. Um, and then normally whenever a kid did that, um, they'd go back and kind of just forget about, you know, Oh, I didn't hit the strike on this one pitch. Um, it's time to go play the game. They come back and, and, and they miss the strike zone or like, it's not even that big of a deal. They're just like, whatever, like next pitch. And, uh, so it's kind of, yeah, that's something that really like helped. But even for me personally, being an older player, um, doing that is kind of just like, you're just focused on a task that's not baseball related. And then once you get back to baseball related tasks, um, you just forget. What was the problem? Well, like it's solving a problem for you. What's the problem? Why are you playing the game? Um, well, like I said before, like if, if I missed my spot in a, in a practice situation and I missed my spot and I, and, or like, I'm, I'm upset with the, the velo number or whatever. Um, it's just the, those little things like that, um, that can carry on into the next pitch in a negative way. Um, the game was to address that immediately and kind of shift the focus to another task in order to, you know, ease the mind and ease the, uh, the uh, heightened, you know, aggression, I would say, I don't know, like the uh, emotion, the emotion is uh, at, a, at a high. So you're trying to bring that down a little bit. Yeah. So like just uh, Taylor's you're, you're saying exactly what you're saying. Like you're, these are authentic, fantastic, but I'm just offering some further clarification. So it's like, in these moments, it's not like it's a uh, cause effect. I threw a ball. I had a reaction. I go to the board. It's like this starts becoming multiple throws on top of one another, right? This this is three to five minutes of watching yourself turn into this negative habit loop where you're not going to be, you know, practicing very well in that state of mind. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm only saying this. So, like, we're not saying that Taylor makes a throw – is critical of himself one time and then goes to the board and starts, you know, doing mental training. This is, you know, this is something where, you know, we, we don't, you know, we're going along training and then all of a sudden we find ourselves like in a bad state of mind. And from a training standpoint, from a coach standpoint, I'm watching this happen, right? I watch the one throw and then the second throw and then the third, and I watch it build. And then also, you know, what I was curious about is, is from your perspective is, when I'm or John is jumping into these moments, 
right? So, you know, Taylor has a tendency to get frustrated like any athlete does, right? We have high expectations. He already alluded to it, right? You know, I talk about it like where mine is that, um, you know, you could convince me just like we're, we're very suggestible. Like this is like you could convince me that me throwing my curveball ever again was the dumbest thing in the world. Like if you made a good enough argument, I'd listen to you. You know what I mean? We're all kind of susceptible to those things. And mm-hmm. in these moments where like we are trying to master our craft and we're at war with ourselves. And then we got Cass over here talking about, hey, did you uh, see my shirt? I wore my weird shirt today. Um, hey, and by the way, your back leg is internally rotating too soon. <laughs> Was that the best annoying version of myself I could be? It's definitely cast for sure. <laughs> that was good. That was really good. You want to talk on that? Um, I think you kind of just nailed it in the head. <laughs> I didn't. I said, "What's it like? Like what?" Because you have to process that stuff. Um, I mean, and, and you've gotten, and it's, it's awesome, right? Like you've grown in that way in a lot. Would you, wouldn't you agree? Oh, of course. And like, when you, when you think of it as like a game situation, like you don't have like those, those tools that you I use have at come at you, bro. I have been yeah. a dick. I have come at you right in these moments. I'm like, what are you going to do? You can't handle this, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, what are you going to do at the next level? What are you going to do when your job is on the line and somebody gets in your face like this? Like you have to know what that is. I don't mm-hmm. want to do, I don't, right? We've talked about this. I don't want to do this. Like that's not what yeah. I like to do, but I'm like, I just can't see how you're, you, you gotta be prepared for those kind of things, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And then, yeah, like like I said, like in a game, you know, you could experience, I could experience something just exactly what you just said. The, the kind of like the whole attacking, like the positive attacking or whatever. Um, you could experience something with that, with that emotion in a game, whether it's, your coach is yelling at you or, you know, fans yelling at you, you're getting booed or something. Like, how are you going to respond to that? You know? So it's, yeah, it's all just, it's, it's just all stuff for, for preparation. And, but it's not it easy. easy. Like what I'm, I, oh, what I'm trying not. to get you to tap into, and I know I'm coming at you, but like, th- this is so helpful for the kids. It's like Taylor, Taylor, this is, this is challenging, right? This is challenging for a professional, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it, I think that's what I, you know, talk about, the challenge a little bit more, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even the people in the major league ranks, you know, they, there's a lot of improvement necessary for, for the mental game as well. Um, not everybody's perfect, even at the highest level. Um, we all have our, you know, mental flaws and even sometimes the best of the best can get caught in those mental flaws as well. But it's, but what separates them from everybody else is, the response you know they, they, they'll let it affect them maybe for like a second or two and then they're they're over it um the the response uh, the response mechanisms or, or however you want to want to call them um are what separate the best of the best from from everybody else yeah, yeah. i like that did you get you've had some good uh you've had some good one-liners in this you know cut that <laughs> cut that up dude put you on that task most uh, most one-liners I've had in a while. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> um, uh, one of the other things that I felt um, 
proud of of you and your growth and development was your um, scouting um, and your ability to uh, break down uh, hitters. Um, you, you and I will, you know, especially when baseball's on at the gym, when when things were normal, I, I would always try to point things out or you would point things out and, and we mm -hmm. would look at sequences or how guys get set up. Um, can we talk about, I'm actually going to pull up the doc and read the questions. Do you remember the questions that we had? Can we talk about the process and how that started? And like, let's start with, do you, see if you remember if you had a strategy before and then like, let's go into yeah. the evolution where it's gone now. Cause I feel like yeah. you're a completely different pitcher than we first met. Yeah. So I was kind of introduced to, to the whole, uh, the whole, like the notebook idea or, the you know, writing down what you did well and what you did wrong. Um, after games, I was kind of introduced to that in uh, kind of my, I think my senior year of college was really the first time I started doing it. <clears throat> and uh, prior to that, you know, um, I, I like, I guess prior to that, I just wanted to play. I didn't really want to do like the, the extra, the extra stuff that um, I probably knew that could help me. Um, but I just wanted to, I just wanted to play and just kind of rely on my, uh, my skill and, and what I had. Um, but like, there comes a time you can, you can do that in high school all you want, but once you get to, you know, college, like guys are starting to do their homework and especially on you and because uh, they want to be better. And there, there was a point in time for me, um, my senior year where, you know, I, I wasn't highly recruited or scouted or, or whatever. Um, but my goal was to hopefully get drafted. And I think, what I was doing then was not going to help me at all. Um, so I had, I wanted to go to, you know, a little extra, do some extra measures and stuff and make sure I could be the best player I could be. And um, I just started, you know, writing a notebook, um, what I could improve on, what uh, kind of take mental notes on hitters as well. Um, you know, what their tendencies were. And then uh, fortunately, like that helped me have a, have a better, my senior year that year was my best collegiate year. And then um, fortunate, you know, I got, I got drafted by the Red Sox and the, and the Red Sox uh, organization, they gave us. Um, okay. Hold on. What did you, what was that senior season? Throw down that line. Uh, I think it was, it wasn't even that spectacular. It was, uh, I think I had a four ERA like on the dot um, ended really strong, ended very strong. Um, had some complete games. My walk to strikeout ratio was, um, was pretty good. Uh, I, I think I hardly walked. I think I walked less than 20 guys that year. And then, uh, I think I pitched the most innings in, in the, in the league for the regular season. Um, um, yeah, it was just a, it was just a, an all around, like kind of average to maybe a little bit above average year. Um, but I think a lot of the, uh, the non-stat stuff kind of separated me. Um, I think with how I carried myself on the mound and I didn't really let like negative stuff get to me that much. Um, I kind of just pitched with like a poker face, I guess. And uh, I think, I think something like that is just, you know, next pitch. Um, that was kind of a little mentality. So I started developing, I think uh, really showed um, kind of like the work ethic side. You know, I trusted, uh, I worked pretty hard uh, that season. I think I just trusted that a lot more and um I think, you know, the Red Sox are really the only team that were looking at me and uh, they saw me pitch one day and I didn't even have that good of a game. They went to go watch the other guy throwing against me and uh, 
I, yeah, like I said, like, I didn't even have that good of a game, but um, despite, you know, if, if it were like error, errors in the field or, or whatever, um, I think the my stuff was probably the best it was all year that game. And, um, you know, they kept, they kept watching me and they kept seeing the, I think, development over the season and, and how I finished. And then, uh, you know, they gave me a chance. And then uh, once I got to the organization, they gave us like this app and it was, uh, I forgot the name of it, but it, it uh, you could pull up the day you played or the day you pitched and you can write down different notes, um, different counts that you think you could have improved on or, or whatever, like different, different, uh, it was like a mental notebook on your phone. And then there I was like, I was kind of seeing like, okay, guys at this level um, are doing this a lot more whether they're forced to do it or not. You know, there's guys, I think, uh, yeah, there's guys in the, in the major league ranks now that, that I, that I played with in spring training or, or I was around in spring training, Michael Chavis being one of them. That dude writes a note, writes in his notebook after every AB, like literally, like if, if he has to go, if he was a third out in the inning and he has to go to his position to, to go warm up, he's in the dugout writing in his notebook before he goes out. Like, um, so that, that was something where I was like, okay, this guy's like top prospect in the organization. He's got a notebook. He's writing stuff down. Like he's doing all the extra work. Like that's what, that's kind of like what it takes to be the best. Like you can rely on your talent all you want, like, and you can be the best, you know, pitcher or hitter in the league. Um, and you can still go to the hall of fame without doing it. But like, there are guys that, that don't have like the quote unquote, like God given talents or, or success that, uh, some other guys have, so they got to do a little bit more extra. And uh, for me personally, like I know to be the best, like I have to do extra. So um, I think for this past season was when I uh, developed that scouting game a lot more. Um, I kind of looked at all the pitching sheets of the each team that we faced and, and what hitters did, what tendencies, uh, you know, whether they swung first pitch, swung second pitch, if they struggled with a certain pitch, I made sure I take, took note of that. So when I pitched to them later on in the year, like I had kind of an idea of how they were. And I think that was probably the one thing that helped me out tremendously like the most um, this past season with my success and having the best year that I've had professionally was, was that scouting um, kind of having an advantage because um, it's like I said before everyone's doing their homework nowadays especially on you like they want to be better than you and um, so for me like I need to make sure that I'm uh, kind of more prepared for when I go out there especially since I don't I don't play every day so I have a lot more extra time to to prepare for when I do play um, and then when that time comes you know I just got to make sure I'm trying to be ready as best as I can Cass, I felt oh. like you were going to say something. Yeah. No. Me? Yeah. Um. No, I was just I I opened up my computer to make a note. You said something about um. It it, it was along the lines of not everybody. Oh, like how, the extra work. Um. You realize that to be the best, that you have to do extra, and I was thinking like, at minimum you have to do extra work. You know what I just like, and I'm not, this isn't towards you. This is just thinking out loud, mm -hmm. right? This is like, man, that's uh, you, you got to realize as a young player that if you want to go to the next level at minimum, you have to be doing quite a bit of extra work, 
Yeah, and then I think yeah. um, to the, you know, what, what really it turns into is, and I think this is what John is always speaking to is Trevor Bauer will continually like will forever be the godfather of you can turn anything into a machine. It just depends on how long you take and, and how long you have, you know, and it's just a, a completely different way of thinking about this whole thing than what we've ever been able to think about. So yeah, like, yeah, growing up, like I'm sure you guys can say the same thing. Like we were, we were, we were good ball players growing up as kids, you know, like most, most, uh, most, most players think that they're the best players, you know? And, uh, but as you keep going, uh, once you get to college, once you, you know, get to the higher levels, you realize that like, you're not the best player on your team anymore. Like uh, everybody was the best, everybody on your team is the best player or was the best player on their previous teams. Almost. So it's, like you got to do like sometimes you got to do something else to separate yourself um, as best you can. Well, and and I think this is where it, you know it always gets into the the weird with the, with me because I just this it, it does become an even playing field, but it's so uneven, right? Because mm-hmm. you know, like hey, be Frank Thomas, like oh, can't can't do that. Like that's not an option <laughs> for me, right? And so, like, this is where it's, like, to become the best version of yourself in baseball, you have to start getting a better understanding of what your strengths and weaknesses are. And those are – those quit becoming physical very quickly. It's like, well, I'm fast or I, you know, I have a good arm. But then, you know, then we start playing the game, right, and talking about, like, how we always say, like, nobody's playing the same game that we're playing because it's so true, you know, um, because people can't even get past the like physical side of things where we're like, well, that's not too complicated. Like throw more, right. Don't be dumb, pay attention and, and commit. You have to commit to that at least. Right. That's talk about extra. That's not even extra. That's like mm. qualifier, you know, that's yeah. to sign up. That's <laughs> yeah, a necessity. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, what are we talking what? about? If that's not part of it. Yeah. I, I think that one of the things that, um, you know, I'm really, like I said, uh, um, about how we're able to analyze and looking back and what I think that we're trying to preach is that if you look at the game and how it goes over people's lifetime of their career, the strategy becomes way more important, right? And, and I think the thing that we're trying to implement is that if you can bring strategy earlier into your game and you understand where you're at, then you can actually control way more than you think you can. You know, I mean, they always say the guys that have the best, you know, research, just like what Taylor was talking about. And you, if you know how to apply it, right. And we can, I just feel like that when we say that we're, we're not, we're not playing the same game other people are, it's because, you know, we're trying to teach 10 year old cutters and, and teach them fast, slow strategies and understand how to be more unpredictable as a pitcher and, mm-hmm. you know, learn how to throw more and recover more and then get stronger and do it over a safe, longer period of time as well as study the game and, and see what the best do, you know, it's. And and here I am being, you know, whatever version, whatever I am to this whole thing. But then that same exact kid that you're talking about is also the kid that's taking our information and sharing it with anybody who will listen in the nicest way possible. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like this offers kids such like a, a cool, like, what is better than the cool thing to be? I know how to arm care. I know how to prepare. I know how to sequence. 
you make that cool. It's, it's, it's just like, it's, it's, it creates a, you plant a seed in an entire organization that can grow outward from that little, little guy, just because he's equipped with things and he's a great kid, mm-hmm. you know? And, that, and, yeah. and so I'd like to add something to the sequencing, especially like as a kid um, with sequencing, that's something I like, I probably learned a lot more of within the past year and a half. Also um, like, especially like in little league, you know, you're kind of you're kind of taught okay once you get to two strikes okay throw a curveball you know it's it's like two strikes throw the throw the throw the breaking ball or whatever throw fastballs early breaking stuff late and um i think that was like obviously i can't remember but like that's i think that's like a huge theme and when i was playing in little league it's like we you weren't thinking of that stuff you were just you're just playing and uh there was like an assumption that you had to do a certain thing in certain accounts or, or times during the game like I think this past year, like I, I was studying like, or not studying, but like seeing reactions of studying swings. Yeah. And like the reactions of different hitters and their swings and how they set up, like you said, John, you know, it's something that like, there's so many like little things in the game as you keep getting older and playing more that like there's, you start recognizing so many more like little things that have so much importance in the game and like the outcome and uh and what can make you better and um you know it's like okay i had a one two one two count and the guy would lunge forward um on a on a slider the previous pitch um do i want to go in with a fastball since you lunge forward or do i want to go back to another slider like you have you have like different options that you want to do and and like sometimes like it's the whole game within the game they could be deking you like they could they could fake a bad swing um on a certain pitch so they can get it again like these hitters are smart um players like baseball players are very very smart like all athletes are smart and uh you know that's what kind of like what makes the game more fun as well is like the whole sequencing and like learning like studying each other like okay what's this pitcher throwing in these counts like what are his favorite pitchers to throw okay, well, I'm going to sit on a curveball. So like, or whatever, like if he throws me a curveball, I'm taking him deep. If I miss, like, hopefully I look bad because he'll throw me another one and I'll just hit one out of the park. You know, it's, it's like a whole like game within the game that makes it even more fun. But that's like what, when sequencing comes into play is like how important it is. And okay. uh, it could be, it could be taken in so many different directions. So we have two kids on a mound. Okay. Throwing Taylor, you, you and I were at the gym and I'm just going to leave it at this two kids on the mound throwing they were competing strike competition against one another and it looked like screwing around from afar and they were told to not do that. And I was like, this is it. And, and I'm sitting here thinking like you talked about as you grow older, you start noticing these things. Nah, you've been noticing them the whole entire time, but people don't allow you to notice them in your way. If you can't talk, if you can't articulate it as a young player, you can't then, uh, you know, do it. And so people get, you know, I feel like parents or coaches put kids in boxes because they make them try to articulate what they know how to do. And it's like, well, dude, I can't do that for another 10 to 15 years, right? I'm not going to be able to speak up for Mm -hmm. myself in a way that's accurate to what I actually think for a long time because my brain ain't Mm -hmm. there yet. But what I can do is without even knowing the words to these things, 
I know when they like think about watching kids play a game, you see them fake each other out, right? And they'll do it. They'll do it like Family Guy chicken fight kind of thing. They'll fake thirty times in a row. Like how how just I can peck at you? Oh, dude, I gotta tell you this story. I'm just gonna go off here. Okay, so. <laughs> Uh, so I was at Jason Uli's house this weekend and his little son, Jack, it was his birthday. So we're celebrating his birthday and his son, um, Jack, 13 year old, this kid played ping pong for six hours straight. And, and he's just like a little string bean, like loves math, like super into school. And so it's not like he's a jock by any means, but mm -hmm. he is all into this. And, and this is what he does. Okay. I played him a couple of times. It just destroys me. Okay. He goes, I just let people make the mistake. They all do it. And so he would go back and forth. Like I watched him do like a 45 shot back and forth. Cause he just returns it to the middle, returns it to the middle, returns it to the middle, returns it to the middle. And no, like he's playing a bunch of drunk people. Like they don't care. They're not paying attention to that, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's a that's a that's a situation. You know, if he's an organized ping pong, right? He can't play like that. And so that whole entire thing can be seen in these games, right? You can, you can watch kids play cards, right? You watch them play board games, and you can see how they should be able to compete. And then you put them onto a little league field and you, they exactly what you just said. So, you know, I'll bring it back to baseball. And this is, I, I, I will, you know, I, I will, I will, I will talk unfavorably about some of my past experiences in baseball. One of them is not this, is that like, I was so jacked up the fact that at a very young age, I had a catcher and me who were like, can we guess each other the whole entire game? Right. Can we go back and forth? And can we get away with some of this stuff? And I no, just nobody was there to say anything. Like my parents didn't come to the half the games. Like we were just in the middle of nowhere. We had the luxury to do that. So I for sure was throwing first pitch curveballs at a really young age. I could throw a curveball by seventh grade and then it was just like game over. Mm -hmm. um, and the only way that could existed is if I lived in a cornfield in West Central Minnesota, right? Like that's the only places where those things can happen anymore. And dude, we had kids, we were facing kids that had flames on their hats, like number 99 and number 67, like Tide, sponsored by Tide. Like, you know what I mean? Like ridiculous things. These kids are terrible. So we would see kids also like get away with like, I'm going to throw you 50 this whole game. Yeah. What? Yeah. That way. <laughs> like, it's just crazy. You know, where you guys in Southern California or even in Florida, John, like you just you wouldn't see that bad of baseball. Like, I mean, yeah. maybe you would, John, but like, man, no, I, it, I swear we, I we had saw, different levels. We had we had a catcher that from Albany, Minnesota, um, that went to the University of Minnesota. I sang all these things to try to remember his name. Don't remember his name, but he had an absolute hose. And it was like that was it. Kid, whole kid in the state, one catcher had a great arm and nobody else did. And I could steal on him because his pitchers were terrible. Like stood up, I stole on him standing up. <laughs> just a hose. Sort of just like you, Taylor. You could just go like this, and it's just like there. Freaking so much layback. Anyway. Good days. Um, I think. Uh, I, I think um, it's a handicap. 
to that that we're having as coaches are calling pitches for kids where they don't have the creativity to go out and and throw whatever and walk a guy you know everybody's so afraid of walks and when the kid plays the video game and he know nobody's telling him what to do i guarantee you it's like hammer hammer because they like to see the movement of the pitches mm-hmm. you know and so like i i think that one of the things that i've really been leaning in towards uh especially with our kids is um uh you know even the younger and the older has been using video games to help kids learn sequencing you know i'm sitting over here laughing because i'm like i know what you're gonna say and i'm like yeah imagine like a bunch of fourth graders sitting back and forth playing this show and one dude's like dude i gotta establish my fastball bro what are you doing <laughs> exactly are you me win? yeah <laughs> Yeah, That's they great. would think you're such a stupid idiot. Yeah, and they're right. And then yeah. so so this is my experience is like so I got I got to experience that thing, and then I was made to feel stupid, right? So then I go to college, and then they're like, "What do you What do you mean you can't throw you you can't throw your fastball glove side?" Well, no, I just throw it up and in on everybody and throw my curveball that goes at their face. <laughs> no, you got to throw it fastball away, and it's like okay, I get it, and there's context to that, but. Um, that's the, yeah. Since the Carrie Lightenberg, uh, Taylor, did you hear the Carrie Lightenberg podcast? I actually didn't. No, I did not. Did you hear us talk about how he was just taught one sequence? No. It no. was just Leo like Mazzoni. fastball, yeah. fastball way, fastball way, and then curveball or sliders. You know, it was just Bear. fastball. That's, yeah. like. it's kind of like yes. Yeah. So I guess sometimes like it depends on who your coach is and how much freedom they give you. Like they should be giving you freedom at a young age for sure to uh, like. Because I think a lot of, like, for me personally, like, I consider myself as, like, a very coachable kid. You guys want to talk about freedom? Jeez. You know, <laughs> and, uh, uh, like, I was pretty coachable, like, growing up. So I just didn't, I, just, I guess I just didn't want my coach to, like, be mad at me or whatever. So I just, you know, I did whatever he told me to do or threw whatever he, like, wanted me to throw. And, like, whether or not I did well or not, I can't remember how, like, well I did at that age. But, like, like when I was 12. But um, I think I think once I started, like, playing travel ball, um, I kind of, I, I, I started playing travel ball like, or like club ball or whatever, like at 12, I think. And, um, so I think that's kind of late for a lot of kids, especially nowadays, like, you know, eight year olds coming in from, from travel ball, come, uh, thrown with us. But like, I think when I went to travel ball, like it was the first time I let off in games or like, it was the first time, like I had to throw from the stretch, you know, and, I, and I'm learning this at 12. And uh, like it was, it was, I was, it was weird at first. I was so used to little league with like all those, all those rules where you don't get to lead off and you can throw out of the lineup whenever you want. Like I was just so used to that. And then once I, yeah, once like I said, once I got to travel, like I was introduced to all these different things that I like, kind of just didn't even recognize were in the game. And um, so like I was like, damn, this game's a little bit harder than I thought. Um, and then that's when like a bunch more sequencing stuff came into play. And I think our coaches, our coaches actually let us call games like at that age. And uh, that's when I started, you know, introducing more pit, the, pit, the whole pitching backwards idea. And then, uh, but I think a lot of times at, at young ages like that, um, like you said, like there's like those established sequences that you have, like you have the ahead in the count sequence and the behind in the count sequence. And it's uh when you're behind in the count, you throw you throw fastballs. They're established a fastball. If you're ahead of the count, um, you know you start throwing more breaker balls. Like you don't see breaking balls. You don't see a lot more fastballs in in those counts at a young age. 
Um, I think unless you have like that freedom from your coaches and, and the creativity from your coaches, like you were, like you were talking about. I was also thinking like the, the freedom to like, when, what's so, I think what makes John so good and what, you know, could make anybody so much better is recognizing that when you don't have your stuff, there's also a different way to think about, you know, throwing a strike, right? So like, let's say I'm going righty on righty um, with my breaking ball. You know, I could actually try to play a different game than the one that I normally do. You know, like, cause some days, you know, where you just like miss glove side all day long with your breaking pitches, right? Where if you just like could decide to throw it at them, you could like try to induce a swinging weird crappy thing by just deciding to think about that sequence a little bit differently. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And where like John will, I just, I, you know, I don't think people, enough people throw little breaking things in. So I, so I suppose maybe I'm just saying more of like cut stuff in is really gets you away. You get away with so much stuff, mm -hmm. like the front door cutter, you know, especially if you can, yeah. It's such I, an I was, easy um, pitch. It's such an easy pitch for like a, a kid to learn too. I know. And uh, I would here. And, let, yeah. I, I was thinking one more thing. Sorry, and then I'll shut up. So the um, because I don't have a formulated thought. I'm just thinking some things out, some ideas that I've had. So how about the the back and forth on the side of the rubber? So John and I have talked about. You know, we tend to like being on the right side for righties, left side for lefties for like some really good reasons. Um, but after hearing Randy talk more about like, dude, th trying to repeat something is the dumbest thing ever. Like preparing to not be able to repeat something is a way better like way to think about this, right? So, you know, if we're going to go back, if we're going to kind of lean into what we are at Cutter Nation, I don't know why we can't be all over the mound. Because if I'm struggling glove side, go to the left side of the mound, throw the damn thing at him and let it, you know what I mean? Like, do mm -hmm. why can't we make adjustments like that? There's no reason. And, and, you know, to think that, um, I, you know, I, I think this is maybe just, there's just context now with the amount of spin metrics that we have and how, how easy it is for us to tunnel. But I think that got a little bit overdone for those reasons. I think John's talked about it with the, the curveballs popping out of the hand as being like a bad thing. It's like, no, it's this element of surprise. The Barry Zito was the best breaking ball we'd ever seen. And it came out of freaking right field. Like somebody dropped it from the upper deck with one of those shirt yeah. launchers. It was so <laughs> like, different. Yeah, that camera angle, I still remember it. And and it's just like, okay, go back to what we're talking about with the kids and experiencing it from, bro, you see these things too? You see the reaction when you throw a curveball at somebody's face and then it's not a strike the other side of the box? Like if you could do something like that to a ball, what are we, we're not talking about tunneling. We're talking about like, I might kill you with this pitch because literally mm -hmm. I could, right? And then and then playing into that, you know, playing into who the person is. You know, you can you can do so much more damage to a bat, right? If you attack the human, right? Don't attack the swing, don't attack, you know, their stats, don't attack you know the blue and red on attack their human. Right. And so if you're playing a video game, you're not actually throwing against Mike Trout, are you? You're throwing against the person sitting next to you. And that has Mike Trout's skill set. Oh, there it is. See, see what I did there? See what I did there? 
but, yeah. but that's it, right? And so you have to be able to, because the kids know these things, right? So what do kids do if you let them play? If you know, if you if you allocated 15 minutes of a game, um, you know, in as a baseball practice warm up, something like that. That was like, you know, it had to be something like baseball. It can't just be tag. You can't like have a good sense of something from tag, but something that's structured and simple, right? Like a, a short little one inning baseball game. Actually, there's there's the solution of 15. You know, if you watch this, they're gonna start picking each other apart, right? If we actually let kids throw against each other on a daily basis, nonstop. Right. They're going to know, OK, well, Johnny, all I got to do is throw curveballs. We heard the Wagner brother or cousins talking about it. Right. You know, it's just like anybody who faces me, Jordan Buck, the hitting coach at Hamlin. He's faced me 10, 15 times and he knows that I'm going to throw a ton of sliders and I know he loves the ball away. So what do I do? I throw the ball like what seems it makes no sense. I feel like I'm throwing the ball right down the middle and he takes it every time because he wants it 10 feet away from him. And, and so then, you know, then I'll see him cheat. And then I know that I just got that fastball away. It's just like this, this funny little game. And I usually just throw a bunch of sliders anyway, because it's my best pitch. And sometimes you just have to do that too. You know? Mm -hmm. So I, I really like what you said right there. Cause uh, I was thinking, just thinking about that, about if you look at major leaguers, um, the player pool doesn't isn't nearly as vast as like the frequency that you would face people. So like in the travel ball world, you might face somebody one time in four or five years. So you can't even pick up tendencies. So you're just teaching the most basic of sequences to these oh, kids. Oh, but you can, right? Okay. So I know where you're going with that and keep going with it. But the, the personality part though is you can also. So the part that John sees is like, oh, I've seen this kid a million times. Like I've met this kid. Oh, that's that that's that white American kid that is privileged and is gonna have a perfect balance swing every time and whatever. And if you're wrong, then you go, oh, oh, what do you know? Do you, right? Yeah. How, how, how often are you wrong, John? A lot. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I know with your mean, yeah, with yeah. your read on hitters. Yeah, for sure. The yeah, yeah. The, it, it's 100. percent There's there's so much history and context that like when you see the guy, like we were saying. But at the same time, you were saying that with when you only when you see a million kids, you might as well yeah. teach them a simple pattern. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's what they're all getting taught, you know. Especially with um, I remember helping my buddy coach a team from Minnesota. Um, which is funny. Um, but I went down to Florida. It was the mob. The Minnesota mob is what they were. Um, and I started talking sequencing. He needed a, he needed a pitching guy um, to help him with this perfect game tournament. And so the first thing, instead of messing with these kids um, uh, mechanics, you know, you don't want to be a weird pitching coach. So I started, started talking strategy to them. And I remember they played second or third ranked team in, in the tournament. And I, um, all of the kids got it. Like I just looked at them from the side and I watched them warm up. They did the usual travel ball thing, you know, where everybody gets their bat out in front of the dugout and takes swings and trying to time up the hitter. And I'm like, wow, we're doing this at like 18. This is ridiculous, you know? And so it looks like, and it sounds like you can hear some of the coaches talking about, cause we have an, uh, the team that I'm helping with has a six, six, um, 90 mile an hour ACE on the mound. Right. And so I hear the coach, like parading in the dugout, like be ready for heaters, boys. Like he's just full, 
like exposing offensive strategy from what they're doing. So I realize that they're going to be an ambush team. And I tell the guy, I go, Hey, we're going to throw first pitch fastballs six inches off the plate. I pro okay. No big deal. If they swing at it, no big deal. Right after that, we're going to come fastball inside and we're just going to go after these kids hands. Don't set up fastball inside, set up inner third, if not because they're on top of the plate. So their hands, they don't have the room to get the barrel where it's supposed to be. Right. Sure enough. This not only does the kid uh, first pitch of the game throw it six inches off the plate, and the dude goes after it and fouls it off the end. Right, he hits ninety three. He hadn't hit ninety three, but he felt safe off the plate because he knew he wasn't going to get hurt. Because it wasn't like these like these are some big Georgia kids too. Like they were they were monsters up there, and he had so much fun not throwing strikes in this perfect game tournament and getting away with it, where it was like everything was literally set up set up late because they were doing all the Juco relay stuff with all the names and numbers. And then he was literally first pitch either up, up, up out of the zone or off the plate. And they would swing at it every time, every time. And the, you could hear the coaches and the players not recognizing that we weren't throwing strikes. So we didn't change the strategy for the first two pitches of the game. Right. And I, not even till the, I want to say it was like a second or third time through, he even threw a breaking ball first pitch. Right. So he, you know, using the aggressiveness against them, he, he came up to me later and he was like, that's like the most fun I think I've ever had pitching where I understood that the guys were over 75 percent chance of swinging. Right. And, and swinging at anything. And I said, you can see, it, you know, all of the fast twitch movement. You can see that they're jacked up. They got leg kicks. They're trying to attack their, you know, aggressive takes on pitches. I'm like, oh, dude, you don't have to change anything. Right. So a kid ends up going like five or six innings and they, you know, they win the game like two nothing. And, and the, I think every kid on that team was a D one prospect. And this kid was just getting looked at by a couple different schools. So it, it, it's a, you know, the strategy that I'll lean on every time is, is, you know, I think that coaches may be, may be misusing their focus on how to help athletes, you know, really go about playing this game when we're worried about mechanics instead of the strategy on how to win the situation. It, it's dude, that's, that's crazy. And I, and I, and I didn't have to, I didn't have a way of saying it. Like in Minnesota, I was always saying like, especially with the youth coaches, I'm like, quit teaching mechanics, quit teaching the swing, the throw. Cause I'm like, dude, I do this professionally and I can't, it's tough, especially with the swing. Like the swing is so tough. And, but, Oh man, it's so easy to know how to teach these things as an adult, right? And and as you get to become an older player, right? It's so easy to walk through some of these strategies and then actually like do it. You know, it's it's very similar to this, you know, this funny idea of asking yourself the question and then actually answering it. Right? Like what should you do this weekend? No, like actually what should you do and then do it. You know, like, what should I actually do to get these hitters out right now and then actually do it? Don't and then don't change the plan right away. And that's the other thing, too, by the way. Uh, we haven't really ever talked about that. I have totally gone into games and then like I have to throw fastball arm side and I have to throw my breaking ball. And I got a catcher that I haven't had before. And he doesn't believe me when I tell him that that's exactly what I want to do. And now I'm sitting here second guessing my plan because this guy has, you know, Oh, that I could do that because I'm an athlete, and now that's in my head instead of just like boom, boom, boom. 
So maybe throw that back to you, Taylor, because you're you've had to play with a lot of different catchers. Yes. Oh yeah, and um, a lot of them, obviously, like they know what they're doing. Um, but sometimes it's it's about uh, making sure they know like what I like to throw or what you know. In certain counts, I might throw something different than what they're normal, like what normal, uh, what they're normally used to, like with other pitchers. Maybe like something, maybe they like to call a curveball on a certain pitch, but I want, I just want to go cutter or something. Like it's about building that, that trust with the, with your, uh, you know, the man behind the plate who's who's giving you the calls, and uh, it's like it's like one of the best feelings, like in a game when you're thinking of one pitch and the catcher calls it and you're like, yes. Like, you know, it's like when yeah. there's no like shaking involved. Um, I think that adds a lot of confidence to a pitcher as well um, during the game um, where they're, they're just like, okay, we're on the same page. Like, okay, then that definitely, you know, this is definitely the right call. And why uh, does that seem like a difficult idea? Like, you know, even what but you just it's said. It's a trust to, thing. It's a trust yeah, thing, though. Yeah. I mean, you know, because it's well, like you're not actually like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking every single time. It's like, oh, yeah, I would totally do that, too. So that's, you know, it's a lot of that's fun, right. right? It's like, <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not disagreeing with the idea. What yeah, I'm right. saying I'm is just like, adding. Like, I, yeah, exactly. The You know, Taylor and I talk about I think that's something that we've practiced, Taylor, about like how to tell your catcher what to what to do. Like, especially as a new, like you, you, you go to a new team, you know, uh, for example, uh, oh, this is a great one. Um, your catcher for Milwaukee that you're going to is my former roommate, right? Mm-hmm. My, you know, and so I taught, he's from, he's from Venezuela um, and he plays, in, he plays all over the world and uh, great dude. Um, shout out to Manny. And, uh, but he knows all my sequences and he used to get so mad at me at the beginning because Hey, you know, Poppy, Poppy, you got to go fastball. You got to throw your fastball. And he would, and I would be like, Hey, listen, I know these dudes, right? I understand what they can't hit and what we can do. Trust me. We're going to throw this cutter here. We're going to throw this here. And, you know, we went out and did it. And, and I remember he would just, uh, he eventually ended up just, you know, knowing exactly what to do and what sequence. And we would talk about it ahead of time. So the conversation of, explaining what you like to do and giving sequences to your catchers um, so that you are on the same page and you don't have to think about it. I feel like it should not be as difficult of a situation as it seems to be. And I just don't feel like people know to have that deep level of a conversation before they go into competing against a hitter. Oh yeah. No. No, no, no. Playing a different game. Let's uh, let's let's shut it down. Yeah, let's keep moving on. Thanks, Taylor. Uh, This is perfect. Uh, We all we all match our hats for those. I know, right? (laughs) Murder. It's it's Monday. Murder Monday for sure. Um, well, Taylor, you're the best. Thank you. Um, TBA underscore baseball Instagram. He'll be keeping going, and uh, we always feature Taylor because we love him and he's great. So, thanks again. Please. Rate, review, and subscribe. And uh, maybe we should talk about some of the people you know, Taylor, that we can get on here. That'd be fun. So, yeah, for sure. All right. Definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting, I'm trying to rile up some moon dogs here and uh, get some kids on that I coached. It's like Kyle McDonald's is with the Yankees and uh, some other kids that are just 
awesome, awesome players. So let's get some more players on here. Yeah, definitely. definitely. For sure. All right. Thanks, bud. See you uh, in a few. All right. All right. <laughs> Peace out. Later.